I'm going to continue with this series, um, maybe for a couple weeks. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I've been thinking about this a lot. Abraham was um, an older elderly man, had no children, he and his wife Sarah. Actually, their names were Abram and Sarai. And they were incredibly um, gifted of God, but what they wanted was to have a child. And that child never came to be. And so God came to them and said, you're going to have a child, the two of you, even in your old age. Everybody say that seems impossible. I think sometimes we think about upgrade. We think sometimes that's impossible, that that's not possible to happen, that can't happen. But even in Abraham's case, and the Bible says he's the father of us all in faith, we're to have that kind of faith that he had, that when God says it, that should settle it, and we should be ready to rest in the fact that God's going to make that come to pass. And so um, he said, I'm going to give you a son. And he gave him that promise. So he would be called the promised son. We also know that the Bible said that he gave him reminders and clues. And he said, look, I want you to go walking with me. And uh, let's walk on the beach. Let's walk on the sand. He says, can you see all the sand? He said, yeah, I can see all the sand. He said, so God said to Abraham, so shall your descendants be in multitude. Can you count them? He said, I can't count them. Exactly, so shall your sons be and your children be uh, innumerable. You won't be able to count them. Wow, thank you, God. Thank you, God. How many kids did he have? Zero. Did he have an upgrade yet? Nope. But he had a promise from God about the upgrade. I'm talking to somebody here today. And then he takes him out one night, maybe in a moment, a low moment with Abraham. Maybe he, we don't know for sure, but maybe he was having a moment with God that he just didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. And God takes him out for a walk, stargazing, looking at all the different stars and the constellations and everything. And he says to him one day, he says, Abraham, do you see those stars? Yes, they're beautiful. He said, can you count them? He said, no, Lord, I, I don't know how many there are. I mean, they're innumerable. There's some I can't see way off in the distance. I don't know how many stars there are. He said, yes, son, so shall your descendants be. Had he had any children yet? Not even one. He's 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. It looks absolutely impossible for this to happen, what God said. And every time that Abraham got up in the morning and walked on that sand, was a physical reminder of God's promise. And every time he took a walk at night and saw those stars, it was another physical reminder. He didn't have the Bible like you and I have, but God has given you something called the Bible, his word that you pick up as physical every single day of your life. Filled with the promises of God that are yes and amen to those who will believe. That every time you see it, you can touch and agree and say, I may not have it yet, but I know I have that promise. And God's not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. Somebody say amen. And one of the things that God said for him to do, he said, I want you now, Abraham, I know you're struggling sometimes with your faith. But now he said, I want you to look from the place you're at. He said, and look northward, look southward, eastward, and westward, and every place you can see, I have given it unto you. Did he physically own it? No. Had no descendants, did not own the property, but God gave him a promise. And what I have received as a revelation from that all these years now is that God said, look from the place you're at. Quit looking at the place you're at. Look from where you're at to where God's taking you. 
And that's where your faith should lie. Not where you're at, because it looks impossible, but where God has promised you, you should be. And there are many people in this room right now, dare I say all the people in this room right now, you're not yet where God has promised for you to be, but you are on your way. Everybody say, I'm on my way. Father, today we love you, we honor you, we grant you access as you already have access in this place. We thank you, Lord God, that you're moving by your spirit. We thank you for the praise and the wonderful worship, the fellowship that we had, the children are being blessed, Lord God, and children's ministry, Lord God. Uh, we thank you for the prophetic word that's come forth, Lord God, but now we want your word to come forth from your pulpit, Lord God, today with utterance, Lord God, and accuracy and boldness and courage and the anointing that removes the burdens and the destroys the yokes of bondage, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said a big amen and amen. All right, so we're talking about upgrade. We're talking about, what's that mean? We're talking about your next miracle, your next breakthrough, your next business endeavor, your next contract that you, I'm talking to somebody right now, you're supposed to be signing, the next promotion of your life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 24. Whew, church, I feel good. I don't know about y'all, but I feel good. I like when God shows up. I had no anticipation of that happening this morning. None, none, but he did it anyways. Hallelujah. We got some shouting to do this week. And a lot of your shouting is gonna have to be by faith. You want to freak the devil out this week? Start shouting about how rich you are when you ain't got one dollar in your bank account. Yeah! I'm rich! Devil's like, I don't, he wouldn't even know what to do with that. He'll freak out, spaz. He'll run away from you, praise God. He's supposed to flee. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13. By the way, every time you go to the word of God, it's an opportunity for change. So every time we go to the Word of God, when we come to, on Sundays, we're, we're here learning the Word or we're, we're getting it at home. Every time you open your Bible, yeah, Lord, change me. It's an opportunity for change to happen in my life. And every bit of change is good. He doesn't change. I'll, I'll show you some things in a minute. It's not that he changes the true who you are, but he changes the things, the circumstances of your life so you can become the better version of you that he created you to be. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But, and by the way, this is a kingdom picture. This is how the kingdom operates, okay? But while men slept, say it with me, but while men slept, his enemy came. When? When men slept. The enemy showed up and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? How come there's always people there to point out what ain't going right in your life? Praise God. I don't necessarily think they got your best intentions at mind sometimes. I thought you said you had good seed in the ground. <laughs> you know. He said to them, An enemy has done this. He distinguishes. God did not do this to me. I did not do this to me. The enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Talking about the, the, these, these uh, tares, which are weeds, they're weeds. But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, the weeds, you also uproot the, the wheat with them because it's, they're not mature yet. So wheat and tares, wheat and weeds, we can say it that way, look very much similar 
So let's not mess with the good yet or the bad yet because we might mess with the good at the same time. He said, let them grow together until when? The harvest, that's right, the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, the weeds, bind them in bundles to burn them, remember that, but gather the wheat into my barn. I want to let you know that most people think that if they get more money, if they know the right people, if they make the right connections, if they have better opportunities, then their lives would become so much easier. I got a feeling that even Jesus showed up riding on a golden stallion and sang your actual song of deliverance, you still complain about what's going on in your life. I've noticed that with people, no matter how much signs, wonders, and miracles, yes, it's great for the moment, but then they got to walk away and work things out. They got to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's when they begin to say, well, I'm not too sure it's what God said. Uh, Maybe he messed up or maybe he just didn't know or whatever. But you start making excuses for things that happen and then the complain and the blame begins to take place. Am I talking to at least two people here today? I feel good about at least two. Okay, good. So we got too many people talking about their mountain and not enough people talking to their mountains. The word of God says in Mark chapter 11, if you have faith in God, another translation says, if you have the faith of God, either one works for me. But if you have faith in God, you can say to that mountain, you can speak to the mountain, say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. If you don't doubt in your heart, But if you believe those things you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Church, you can't can't cast your trouble away until you learn to say. Let me say it again. You can't cast your trouble away until you learn to say. Somebody needs to say, my marriage is getting stronger. Somebody needs to say, my business is growing. Somebody needs to stand tall and say, my health is returning. Some of you parents need to say, my children are saved and serving God. Somebody needs to stand tall and be loud and flat-footed and look the devil straight in the eye and say something of what God has said. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victor in Christ. I'm the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. I'm the apple of his eye. Get used to it. Come on. When you're ready for an upgrade, it will always start with your mouth. Say this, say it's in what I say. Jesus said this, if you have faith, you can say, you can speak, say to the mulberry tree, be removed and be cast into the sea and it would obey you and produce fruit. What? Not only did he say something super, I can speak and then the mulberry tree will be uprooted by it it's from its roots and from the soil and then it will go and then it will be planted where? In the sea, grow and produce fruit. Now, I, don't, I, I didn't do real good in school, especially botany, uh, plants and stuff. I, I don't know, but I do know one thing. I know mulberry trees don't grow in the sea. But Jesus said, I've got so much power in my faith that when I speak like God spoke, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, 
uh, and I'm made in his image and his likeness. So when I speak, I speak with the authority of God who lives and abides in. Don't you all get me preaching too soon. Lives and abides inside of me that when I speak, that what comes out of my mouth must come to pass, even if it looks like it's crazy. I can speak to a mulberry tree, be planted in the, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will grow and produce fruit. When it doesn't do that, watch this. Jesus is teaching us mulberry trees may not grow there normally, but with the word of God and with faith, it will produce even in a foreign environment. Wealth and poverty is a foreign environment. Most people don't believe when they've been impoverished that they can ever succeed, but you can. Health and sickness is a foreign environment. Peace and turmoil is a foreign environment. Joy and trouble is a foreign. Light and darkness is a foreign environment. Everybody say, it's time for my harvest to grow. Then start speaking to your harvest to come to you. Stop looking at what you don't have. Don't allow the devil to label you unsuccessful and not able to have what God promised you you could have. I'm looking at some Abrahams. I'm looking at some Sarahs in this place. It looks like it's over. It looks like there's no way. Go ahead and roll over. Let somebody else have their day. Don't you give up on what God has said to you and promised. Speak it. Declare it. Shout it. Come on. There's something in our shout this morning. I said there's something in our shout. Your harvest, church, represents your upgrade. Your harvest represents your upgrade. So when you read about the harvest, you're looking at what God's saying is the next chapter or the upgrade of your life. The truth is everybody wants the harvest, but guess what? Harvest takes work. It's not sit back and do nothing with the promise of God. You war with the promises of God. You go to war. You say, Lord, I'm not letting go. You get your Bible out and start finding all your scripture verses. You start getting confirmation of what the word of God's got to say about the promise God has given you. Or get the promise from the word of God and start living it out. Walking by faith. Walking by faith. It takes work to do that. You getting up every day and praying over stuff that you can't see yet. It takes work to do that. Even Jesus said, uh, he told his disciples, said, pray the Lord of the harvest. So we have the Lord, the watcher of the harvest. God's always protecting the harvest, our upgrades in our life. He's always protecting them. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. He said that, that, that he will send laborers in the field. He said, for the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful but there's few people ready to work the field. Amen, somebody. So God's looking for people to stand up. We can't have just weekend warriors. God's not looking for just churchgoers. Thank God you showed up. That's a part of the responsibility, but that's not all. You don't just serve God on Sunday, I hope. Unfortunately, I've been pastor for 30 years, and I found out that some Christians only serve God on, on Sundays. Amen, that's what they, they got their, they got their, they got everything else is secular until Sunday comes on. We don't cuss. No, no, no cussing today. Today is church day. Church day. Turn that radio station to get that rock music off. Put on that, put on the Christian music today. Praise God. It's church. I, I've done that a couple times myself, be honest with you. Um, you know, uh, pray, we gotta, I get to pray. Shout out about that. It's church day today. We only become weekend warriors and God wants 24-7 people that are ready to work the fields and reap that harvest. And by the way, 
What do you need for the harvest to grow? What do you need for the harvest to come in? You need rain. You need rain. And the thing about rain is I go in the whole thing. It's a series really on rain, but it's really the presence of God. If, when it's all locked down, it really means, the, if it's spiritually speaking, it means the presence of God. So what brings the presence? Well, two or more gathered together in his name. He's there in the midst of them. That brings the presence of God. The Bible says our praise and our worship brings the presence of God. The obedience to God brings the presence. So these are things that brings the rain upon our lives or brings the rain upon our field. Now, sometimes when I preach, I'm preaching overall about the whole wide world because we need a worldwide revival. But we also need personal revivals in our life. We need harvests that have been promised to us to come up in our lives personally. Am I right about this, church? And so rain needs to come for that ground to be moistened, for that seed to germinate, take root and grow, and bring forth a harvest. And that rain needs to be consistent. Can't be once in a while. That rain's got, can't be raining the first day you sow the seed. It'll still die in the field if it's, not, if it's not continually, faithfully rained upon. Rain also then does what? It exposes what's already in the ground. When the presence of God comes into our life, it merely exposes. I have been in meetings like this where the Spirit of God's moving, and maybe we'll have a, 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 an altar call or something, and we'll pray for people, and the meeting is very, very strong. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, 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 like the, one of the amps blow or something, or the lights flicker, or, or uh, some, somebody begins to sh- scream and holler, or someone's beginning to r- disrupt the service. How can that be in a peaceful moment like that? Because the presence of God, like the rain, it only exposes is what's in the soil. So for you and I, you, we want to grow. For somebody else, they want to resist it. Or the enemy doesn't want that service to continue to go. Whatever's in the ground comes forth. So the man, he sowed his seed in the ground. He went to sleep, and while he slept, the, the enemy came and sowed other seed in the ground. But when the rain came, it exposed both. And prophetically speaking, in this nation, God is doing the same thing. And the more that the church becomes revived and God deals with his own people, their hearts and their ways. He said, your, 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 your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my, they're higher. And the more we come into his ways, the more presence comes, the more rain descends. And it begins to deal with not only the church, but also America. And it brings exposure. And now some we go, oh, we can see now. Because now it's all come up. That's wheat. That's tares. That's right. That's wrong. Deception begins to go. The more the rain comes, come on, y'all, the more the presence of God comes, the more that we can see the maturity of what's happening and everything comes up and now we can pick and choose with discernment. And I don't want to belabor this because I've been talking about this, but exposure is coming to America and exposure is coming to the body of Christ and I'm not afraid of it because we want that to happen. We want that to be exposed so we know what's right and what's wrong. All right, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is a prayer. In the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in, in the field, or the field, in the saints. Let me just say, 
God is trying to get you to open your mind to believe what he's already said about you. He said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling that's in the saints. There's a calling. There is a purpose. There is a divinity. There is a, um, there is a, there is a destiny that's inside each and every single one of us and it's relative. It doesn't matter if you think it's big or not. It's relative because it's big to you. <laughs> it's your destiny and your purpose and your calling. And he wants you to know. He wants you to have understanding to know. Jeremiah, we find out the life of Jeremiah, that the Bible says before he was even formed in his mother's womb, God said, I knew you and I formed you and I called you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Before what? Before your mother and father ever got together. Before you were ever even thought of by another human being, I knew you. I had intimate detail. You came from me. And he's saying, I need to tell you who you are. Because he said, do not be afraid of their faces when you go to them. Remember, it was me that called you. This is who you are. you got to know your purpose to manifest your destiny. You gotta know your purpose to be upgraded. You gotta know your purpose to receive the harvest. You gotta know who you are called to be, what you were called to do, and who you have been assigned to. Assignment is so important, not just what you, you're assigned to do, but who you're assigned to do it with. Man, I could stick right there for a long, long time. Not just my assignment of what I'm supposed to do, but who have I been assigned to do it with? Because I see it so often in the body of Christ. I see people with potential and purpose and within six months to a year, you, they're not even serving God half the time anymore. What happened? They got hooked up with the wrong people. And the Bible's clear. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It's not talking about just people in the world. It's talking about people that, that don't believe in you. They don't have faith in who you are. They don't even know who you are. I want to be around people that when I talk about my vision, they go, that boy's crazy. But you know what? He's just crazy enough to get it, I guess. At least you believe something about me. But I don't want to be around people who say, oh, man, don't, uh, let me just try to, uh, let me talk you off the ledge on this one. I've been down this road, and you don't want this too much pain. I know that already. I want people that will stand with me in faith. So I got to find the people that I'm assigned to. You have to find the people you signed to. And by the way, the same goes true with uh, the, your church. Used to be a slogan years ago. A lot of trucks used to have them on the freeway. You'd see them, and they had little stickers that said, go to the church of your choice, which sounds great. I'm not even arguing with it that much. But in reality, it's not true. Or it's true, but it's not a good decision. Go to the church of your choice? How many bad decisions you've had already? Praise God. Amen. Maybe you haven't had a good track record already, praise God. No, you go to the church of God's choosing for you. Got one, amen, one good, one clap, a slight clap over a hand raise, one whistle, two, carry the one. Okay, it's getting better, praise God. Am I right? And a light, and a light being waved in the background. <laughs> My point to you is this, is that, is that sometimes we get attracted to the music 
or we're attracted to a style of preaching, or we're attracted to the children's ministry for our kids, or the, the adult ministries, or, or the, the type of classes that they offer, or that they do, they do uh, street ministry, and, and, and that's well and good. But did God call you to that assembly? Are you assigned to them, or are they assigned to you? At the end of the day, I don't care who it is. Let me just help everybody out right now. I don't care what church you go to, and if you've been living for God a little while, you already know this. But I don't care. But those that are watching right now, you're obviously not going to church right now. But when you go to church, I'm going to tell you right now, it don't matter. And that's why sometimes you got to watch, you know, you, you start doing that Christian surfing. You surf by this, you get about five points out of me, and then you don't like the rest of me. And then you surf right past me and go get somebody else you like. But I think that's not what God ever intended. He said, bloom where you're planted. So again, we got to find a field that we can plant ourselves into and say, I'm going to connect with those people because I feel the connection. I'm assigned to that. But I will tell you this. This church is a great church. And there are other great churches. No matter how great this church is, no matter how great other churches are, they're going to let you down. They're going to bring disappointment. There's somebody in the church that's gonna, is going to just upset you. I mean, I just, it's life, it's people, it's things. But when you know that you, it's like you have a marriage. I'm married because I love them. I'm a sign. I know we're one together, even though they tick you off. Make you so mad. Can I get an amen? I've been married to this girl 35 this year, next month. Next month, 35 years. Got married when we were seven years old. It was legal in Illinois, praise God. Been married all these years and, and grew up together since, so we've been together since 83, so we are just teenagers. So, but, uh, and I'm telling you, there's nobody in, in this world that I am happier to be with than this girl. But if I'm being honest, ain't nobody in this world can make me madder than that girl right there. Nobody. Because she doesn't like my ideas. She doesn't think what I have to say is important enough. Praise God. You know what I do now? I Google it. She goes, that's not true. I said, well, I'll show you. And then I'll Google it and I go, I can't find it. I can't find it. It's right here. I just didn't look. Praise God. No, I don't like it. So we got to go where God connects us. Because who you're assigned to is so vital and important. So again, this man planted his field with wheat seeds. But during the growth process, weeds, tares, uh, came up with the wheat. Anybody have some weeds in their field they need to deal with? <laughs> the Bible says this man didn't sow the weeds. <clears throat> okay? This is vital. I'm almost done. This is vital. The man did not sow the weeds. Have you ever felt like, God, why am I reaping right now what I did not sow? Has anybody ever felt like, why am I reaping weeds when I sowed wheat, why is this happening to me that's negative and bad when I did not sow this? And you're not trying to be, you know God knows everything, but you're being honest. Saying, Lord, show me where I, I didn't sow this. I remember being through a real dark time and uh, years back. And, um, and I was praying one day and I was so frustrated because it wouldn't go away. You know, it's one thing when you have a bad day. It's, it's not that we have bad two or three years. It's just like just not going away. And, um, and it was like that. And, and I remember I was sitting in my car having a cup of coffee, which really was my trend to pray in the morning, just get out and go. 
And, and uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm having this cup of coffee, and, and I start, I'm starting to think about what I'm going through, and I'm getting mad. And I'm hurt, but I'm, I'm actually hurt, but I'm getting mad about it. And um, I started having this conversation with God about how unjust this is. This isn't right. I didn't sow for this. This is not right. This is not how you should treat your children. Oh, yeah, I'm getting mad. I'm mad. And I said, I'm your son. And I screamed, I screamed out to God, I'm your son. And I smacked the dash. I'm your son. I wouldn't treat my son this way. And I mean, I am having a, now maybe y'all talk nice to God sometimes. I do almost all the time because I do fear him. But once in a while, it just comes out like that. I'm not proud of that, but that's how it came out. And I said, it's not right. And of course, then you go, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. I'm sorry, God. You're, you're, I'm just frustrated. I'm hurting here. Please forgive me. And you know, you feel his presence come upon you and he warms you up and his love and you feel good. I felt like I hurt. I felt like I, I felt like I got out of me what I needed to get out and he's got big enough shoulders to handle it and we were okay. Me and God were just like that after the conversation. I'm having a good day now. Finish my coffee. By the way, after you finish your coffee and prayer, you're feeling pretty good. I mean, let's be honest about it. It feels really good. Uh, and then, so I, about three hours later, I get an email and it's sent to the church and they send it to me. And it's one of our members who I've had maybe one or two conversations with and uh, someone who's never given me a word before and said, Pastor, I was in prayer for you this morning and I saw you and you were frustrated and you were crying out to God. And she said, and I, I could feel your frustration. I said, I begin to pray for you. And as I was praying for you in the spirit, the Lord spoke to me to send this to you. Now remember, I said to God two times, I'm your son. I'm your son. The first thing she writes, she said, the Lord says, tell, tell him, you're my son. You're my son. And then begins to tell me, I know what's going through you, you right now, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I can't, I'm not going to give you all the details of it. But basically the gist of it was, I'm working this for your good. Hang in there, son. Walk by faith, not by sight. It's all going to turn around. And it did. Somebody say amen. Now, I didn't need that. I haven't had that. very. That's the first time it ever happened to me in my life. But I will tell you one thing. It brought a comfort. Maybe, maybe he did it because I could share it with so many more people about how God's listening and God knows and God sees. And my point of bringing that up is, I said, Lord, I didn't sow this. So why am I reaping it? And God's answer was, I know. You're my son and just keep hanging on there. I didn't know, understand that while men slept, there were moments that I didn't take care of things that needed to be taken care of. And the time I slept, that's when the enemy came in. I didn't sow it, but because I slumbered, because I was unwilling to deal with certain things. The enemy came in. I'll make this statement. If you didn't sow it, you don't, you don't have responsibility to care for it. So why are you caring for weeds in your life? You might need to pull some weeds like a boyfriend weed or a girlfriend weed or some drama weeds in your life. Why are you carrying somebody else's burdens, by the way? If you didn't sow it, you're not responsible for it. So pull it out by faith of your life. Pull it out of your life. So according to Jeremiah, God plants in us things before we were born. 
but the other seeds were planted in us while men slept. This is descriptive of a believer, you and I, who does not guard their heart. They don't watch over their field. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, you go right by that and you don't understand totally what that means. And I studied that word issues out. And, and I, used to cry, I used to say all the time, if you got an issue, get a tissue. I thought that was kind of funny. But the truth is, that word in the Hebrew is the word todah. Not tada, but todah. And todah means uh, borders and boundaries. So let's read it this way. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the borders and boundaries of your life. So you are setting the borders and boundaries of your heart. You do that, okay? The enemy can plant bad seeds and then limit the border and boundary of your success. So if you have a three by five heart, you can make it a 13 by 25 if you want to. But the devil will always try to tra- keep it the same or make it smaller, okay? Through, through you not guarding your heart. Church, you never get bad seeds planted in your life when your guard, your guard is up. Won't happen. Only when your guard is down do you allow someone to have access to your heart that never deserved to be there in the first place. That's why you got to know who you're assigned to. Because when you're assigned, you do have to be vulnerable with people. But you don't want to be vulnerable with just everybody. That's why you've got to stay aware of the fact that the devil comes as an angel of light. And a liar never shows up looking like a liar. A cheater never shows up looking like a cheater. A backstabber doesn't show up looking like a back. They look like they're your best friend. And so you've got to be able to discern the good and the evil in their intentions. And you do that, you do that by way of the Holy Spirit. So we're caught between what God has sown that is good and the enemy who hates the owner of the field that has sown what is bad. Here's the good news. The weeds didn't do anything to destroy the wheat. He thought they might. But he said, let them grow up together. And then we'll be able to discern what's what, right? The harvest still came in. In other words, you might have thought you, that the devil might have thought that he robbed his, your joy from you, but you're still happy. Or robbed peace from you, but you still got joy. Or, or robbed, robbed your destiny, but you still what? You're still living the dream. The devil can't stop your harvest. God's going to upgrade you because of the faith of your heart. Even though it may look like a mess right now, it may look like it's all entwined together right now, God's going to separate it in the end. But he just needs somebody who's willing to do the work. Here's the principle. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. In other words, nothing can stop the one who sowed the harvest. Nothing can stop your harvest. If you ever sowed it, it's got to come to pass because God will not be mocked. Come on and cheer about that. Shout about it. You can't unsun a son. My son, Pastor Nick here, um, he bears my name. He's my son. Why? He's my seed. Amen. You, it doesn't matter what happens to us. You can be mad at me and everyone talk to me the rest of his life. I'm still his dad. You can't unsun. You can't undo what has been sown. What has been sown is it. You don't sow an apple seed hoping for bananas. 
You sow hate, hate will come back. You sow love, love will come back. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Matthew 13, I'm closing. Let both grow, verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the, the tares, the wheat, or at the weeds, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The latter part of this verse is the final test of God to determine what is his seed and what's not. And that's called fire. And I didn't see this till as God is my witness says right now about the word that came forth just a minute, just, just a few minutes ago when I came up and prophesied what God said about him, you breathing upon the embers that it may become fire. I didn't even see that till just now. I love how God thing brings things full circle. Fire is the determining factor. Isaiah 48, 10, but I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Sometimes the stuff that you're going through, you think, why am I going through this? And you know, I can look back at, at those big moments of my life that I was going through a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, he was testing me. He didn't like some of the things he saw. And so some of those things had to be burned away. And he used other things to kindle that fire, but they were never the issues. The issue was always me. That's how you get out of the blame game. So if I, I blame nobody. I have no ill will towards anything or anybody. All forgiven. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what was said or done. I know he took me through that furnace of affliction that he would test me as fire. But guess what? I'm still here today. I'm still standing today. by the grace of God. I made it through the fire. You are the same. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're still standing. And some of you are in the midst of that fire even now. I am with this, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are the most precious commodity on earth to God. You are greater than gold. But he uses the analogy of the most precious metal that has to be tested by fire. The greater the gold is the gold that has went through the most fire to get out the impurities, to, to, to root out what is wrong so the gold can go. What's the best gold? 24 carat? Is that kind of like, I'm, I'm out of that hole. Huh? They got 18 carat. How does it go? Does it go up or down the grade? It goes up. So let's say 24 carat is like the best. Does that sound right? Gold. And, and um, <clears throat> um, God is wanting to make sure, how does it become pure gold? Because it's getting all the other metals out of it. And the only way it gets done is through the test of fire. So God's going to bring the fire in our lives only not to kill us, but to purify us, to make us the most precious of things. That's where I'm going with this. God has considered you the most precious thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. And we're not done yet today, but just give me a couple minutes, please. If that's you I'm talking about today, and you're saying, I want Jesus Christ 
to be the Lord of my life. You know, Jesus was tested by fire and completely passed the test as the Son of God that died for the sin of mankind. Why did he do this? What was that sacrifice all about? Well, that's how ugly and how terrible our sin is. That somebody had to pay the penalty for sin. What is the penalty of sin? Is death. So Jesus dies in our place and takes the punishment so we don't have to. He becomes the substitute. This is how much he loved us and how much he loves us. And he's alive and he is well and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. 